Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome to homeschool.com. I'm Jamie, homeschool mom of six, and I'm here to welcome you to our series entitled You Can Homeschool High School. And during this series, we'll be chatting with experienced homeschool parents and other experts on high school homeschooling. And this is specifically for you, our homeschool friends, so that you can see that it is possible to homeschool high school and do it well. Plus, we want to make sure you know about our homeschool high school section on homeschool.com. We've recently updated it and it is literally packed full of free helpful homeschooling tools, guides, ebooks, printables, anything you can imagine, um, all from experienced homeschoolers. And so we want you to be able to take part of those wonderful free resources. But before we get started, I am super excited to have a special guest today. Um, named Jamie Erickson, and it's so fun. I can't, I can't help but just kind of giggle that you know, Jane, two Jamies doing the show. So. <laughs> and I think it's a spelled the same, is it not? Yes, it, it is. We're which is kind of an anomaly. That's unusual for females to be spelled that way. Yes, and so before we jump into our topic, which of course is going to be on high school, um, I wanted to introduce Jamie Erickson. Um, and so Jamie is a Christian homeschool mama five, and she's an author of the book Homeschool Bravely. She is also the founder of the website, theunlikelyhomeschool.com, and she is co-host of the Mom to Mom podcast. And you can find her on your favorite social media platform. So I encourage you to connect with Jamie as well. All right, so I'm sure Jamie can attest to this too. We speak to a lot of homeschool parents and many of them are really concerned about the challenge of homeschooling high school. And so oftentimes they just homeschool through middle school and then stop and send their children to public school or traditional school for high school. And it's kind of been my mission for the last month to just really help our homeschool friends see that you can homeschool high school. I've done it. You've done it. Lots of just your average people have done it. And so we're going to talk about that today. Um, Jamie, I'm super excited to hear what you want to share with us today. Well, I just wanted to back up to what you just said. I think that that eighth grade year is sort of this um, mythical creature in the eyes of so many homeschool moms. They feel like as soon as they reach that, well, everything beyond that is unattainable. And so um, they jump ship because they're fearful. Um, and that, that fear is understandable, but maybe slightly displaced. And I hope that this time can be really encouraging to the mom who feels stuck in her fear and feels like she cannot move forward to high school because we need more homeschoolers in high school. Absolutely. I agree. I know you have five children. 
Yes. Um, have you graduated any yet? Um, my oldest is a senior. She's graduating in a month, but she's also taking dual enroll enrollment. So she'll graduate with two years of college under her belt, which is always nice. I live in um, one of, I think, three states that offer that for free. So we've been taking advantage of that. Absolutely. What state do you live in? Minnesota. Minnesota. Ah, well, we are in one of those three as well. We are in Georgia and um, my several of my children have done that. Yeah. And, and a mom should know that that is available in nearly every state. It just might have to come out of your pocket. So yeah. there's a difference between dual enrollment and post-secondary education. One is paid for by the state and one is not. Mm -hmm. And don't let the fact that um, paid for by the state scare you. I am a Christian homeschool mom and have always um, homeschooled under that premise and through that lens and worldview. And so I was able to find a Christian university that offered online post-secondary classes for my daughter to take and get awarded college credit. So um, don't think that your only options are the you know, brick and mortar university down the street that maybe has some differing worldview than you. Exactly. Very good. All right. So do you have some encouragement or advice for us today about homeschooling high school? Yeah. Well, I think if I were to take, you know, the last few years of doing this and distill it down into you know, the, the 10 things that I would tell a mom maybe to learn from my mistakes or things that maybe I did write, things that were helpful that I would, would, and am repeating again, there's, there's probably 10 of them. Um, I guess I'd first start off by saying it's really important to use that eighth grade and maybe even that seventh grade year as a trial run as a practice. And what I mean by that is, you know, homeschool moms are really, um, we feel really compelled to tailor make our kids' education, which is wonderful, and to not prescribe to a lot of school skills or school boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, and that's wonderful too. But if your child has any sort of aspirations or hopes to go on to um, continue their education in college or in the military or in even technical school, I think it's wise and actually a kindness to them for you to begin um, incorporating some of those school skills, for lack of a better way to say that, in high school. Um, and especially if you live in a state where um, a transcript is going to be uh, necessary and most of us, you know, most of our kids are going to need a tr transcript to be able to um, proceed on to further education, you know, in order to create a transcript, you're going to need grades, you're going to keep records, that kind of thing. And that can feel very, that can feel like a lot of pressure to a high schooler if they've never experienced that. And high school is kind of the, the years that count, if, if I can say that, where, you know, that, that letter grade is going to count on that transcript and um, high, colleges and universities will be looking at that. You don't want to toss your child into the deep end and expect them to swim well. So my first tip is um, it not everything has to be formal and uh, rigid. 
in the eighth grade, but I think you'd be wise to begin to implement some things that maybe your child has never experienced or done before, like taking you know, quizzes and tests and getting graded, participating in a co-op, um, something like that, just to give them a trial run at it before maybe it has to count for high school. Does that make sense? Would you oh, agree with that? Absolutely. Because I don't know if you did this, but I really didn't focus on grades in elementary school. No. And so, no. you know, you don't want to just throw them right into high school and, oh, today you're taking tests and exams. <laughs> Right. It needs to be that warm up period to all of that. School skills are learned skills. And for most of us who came through the public school system, and I was a school teacher, so I know that so much of a, a traditional education is packed with school skills. Mm-hmm. And things that don't really matter or count in, in the long range of an education, but the world system likes to quantify things, mm-hmm. likes to give it a letter grade, likes to give it a gold star. And so to some degree in the high school years, we have to be willing to accommodate for that or to submit to that mm-hmm. quantifiable system. And it's a kindness to our kids that we can help them do that well by giving them a trial run. So that's the first thing. Um, The second thing that I I think um, is kind of the answer that everybody's looking for and waiting for, and that's to reverse engineer a four-year plan. You know, when you know that you're, you're going to do this, you've decided you're going to, you're going to make it through all the way to the end of high school. You need to start in, let's say um, eighth grade, somewhere in that eighth grade year, or even the summer after eighth grade, and begin to um, seek out some resources to help you reverse engineer. And I actually have a whole entire mega post on my blog called the best homeschool resources for planning a college and career that has lots of links to help you. But um, when I say to reverse engineer a four-year plan for your child, uh, the first step I think is to begin to have conversations with them about what they want to do after those four, four years are done. And there is the gamut of, of teenage personalities. I have one that has known what he's wanted to be since the time he was still in diapers, not kidding. And he has not wavered from that at all. And yet then I have one who has changed her mind three and four times in the last, you know, four years of high school. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to nail down some kids and, and, you know, let's be honest, many of us went to college thinking we knew what we wanted to do and then changed our mind two, three, four times. And that's fine. We don't want to put a ton of pressure on them to decide, you know, the rest of their life in these years, but begin to have conversations with them. I think it's, um, it might be helpful if you have a child who's just like, mom, I don't know what I want to do when I graduate to take an aptitude test. There's several free ones online, and those are just some tests to just sort of filter out um, and filter down what are their gifts? What are their natural passions? And that can help give them some direction. I definitely um, encourage a mom and a child to begin praying about that. But all that to say, once they begin to kind of know what direction, am I going to go to college? Am I going to go into the military? Am I going to um, go to technical school? Then reach out to those places and find out what are the prerequisites for entrance. 
for acceptance. And once you have those prerequisites, that's sort of like your marching orders. You have to get to that, that line. And let me just insert really quickly here. You might have a child um, that doesn't have a desire to go to college. I actually have one of those too. And I am not a mother who says that every child needs to go to college. I'd actually argue that most kids don't need to go to college and rack up thousands and thousands of dollars in debt, you know, to go and work at a, at a job that they could have had without that piece of paper, that certification, but always go in with the idea or the mindset that it's easier to set the course now than it is to come back at it you know, five, six years later when they've changed their mind and they want to go back to school and sort of backtrack and try to play catch up. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I tell my children, this is just in case. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. You can set, yep. You can set it all together now while it's still fresh in your mind. Mm -hmm. It's right within reach. You can get it all organized just in case. And then they have it should they decide to go to school. But contact those, um, secondary post-secondary options, college, university, find out what those prerequisites are. And then from there, um, you're going to want to put together a four-year skeletal plan. Now, this is something that you hold together loosely, something that you write in pencil. It'll look something like this, um, where you have your grades and your subjects, and you can just begin filling in semester by semester. I actually start with 12th grade and work my way backwards to know. You'll want to know what your state requires of you re- regarding, you know, how many credits in, in language, how many credits in math. Um, you'll want to know what that post-secondary option requires. So you just reverse engineer their graduation to know what you need to fill in to meet that goal. Do you have anything else that you would add to that? Anything that was helpful to you as you were reverse engineering for your kids? Oh, it's what I did was pretty much what you're saying. Um, And it worked very well. So finding out what the requirements are, what they need to do, maybe even experiences. Yes. As well. Keep a, keep a, definite record of those experiences, any sort of apprenticeships. And I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit, but, um, you'd be surprised what can add up to high school credit. It doesn't always have to be, you know, a textbook, a graded test, you know, that gold star, it can be experience and, um, mentorship apprenticeships. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think employers really want to see that, that they've had experience or they volunteered um, because that hands-on experience goes much further than classroom experience in employers' eyes. (laughs) And I would add to that some of those soft skills that you don't always think of, like Mm -hmm. communication skills. Mm -hmm. Can they answer a phone with grace and with... um, professionalism? Can they work together in a group environment and listen to the opinions of others and offer feedback and, um, you know, design a plan, that type of thing. Some of those soft skills are very important. And I think, I think most HR representatives would tell you are really lacking in a lot of young people as they start in the workforce. So those are some things to focus on as well. So then once you get that four-year plan, then we're talking about what do you do 
in those four years to help get your child, because remember, we're raising adults here. <laughs> That's the point. That's the purpose. So at the end of those four years, whether they go to university or they go to technical college or the army, or, you know, they graduate and get married and start a family, whatever that end goal is, they all will have the same end goal of they're going to be adulting. <laughs> so part of this, the successful high school will be learning to adult now while you're in the safety greenhouse of a home where the consequences are not dire, where you can learn from some of your mistakes and where you can have some success. So um, a couple of things that I think are important to emphasize, number one is time management. My, one of the things that my daughter has really concluded after you know the last two years of college she, I will tell you, she's a very smart academic student and not all of my kids are, but she's not the smartest of all my kids. If that makes sense, she's very academic. She can follow the school structure really well, but academics or learning education doesn't come as easy for her as some of my other kids, but She's getting A's in all of her college classes, not because she's the brightest, you know, the sharpest tack in the box, but because she's learned two things that have been very valuable to her time management, taking ownership for her time and really mapping out, you know, when things are due mm -hmm. and then also learning some specific school skills. And that goes back to what we were talking about before setting that standard in eighth grade. Um, and, and I'd also tack on good communication, learning to write things well mm -hmm. has been great because if you can take a class, any class at college or technical school or whatever, yes, you're learning content, but, and the content is going to be different in every single class, but the similarity in all of those classes will be, you have to be able to communicate what you know about that content. And that's really what a professor is looking for. So if you have a child who can manage their time well, you know, um, and then communicate what they know well, they're going to do just fine Yes, in, in a post-secondary situation. Mm -hmm. So much of uh, a post-secondary grade is given just based on whether you can follow the simple requirements that the professor doled out it has very little to do with whether you know the material it's did you use Chicago style or did you use the MLA mm -hmm. or did you you know follow the outline carefully mm -hmm. so um I think those are those are three things that you should really begin to focus on in these you know high school years while you can mm -hmm. um beyond that here are a couple of hopefully some encouraging things to give a mom when she's looking forward to high school, remember this. Homeschooling doesn't mean that you teach all the things. It just means that you get to decide mm -hmm. how it's taught and by whom. I think these high school years are really, they're a really good time to begin to outsource some of the things that maybe you yourself are not naturally gifted in or don't have the aptitude. Maybe you don't even have the, the, um, desire to teach. And you can sit and feel really guilty about that. I know um, 
looking forward to those high school years, I sat in fear of algebra because numbers and I have had a blood feud my entire life. And I just could not look ahead and see any success at it. You know, it was going to be a bloodbath if I had to teach it. And I could sit and feel guilty about that, or I could slog through and do a a really horrible job at teaching algebra, or I could say, this is some area where I can outsource and not feel bad because now I'm, I'm giving some credence to those other things that we've talked about, meaning I'm allowing my child to learn from someone else, learn some school skills, learn to, um, learn to manage her time according to someone else's outline or someone else's framework, um, be accountable to the learning. Cause let's face it, you know, our kids have a different level of sometimes I shouldn't say all the time, but sometimes our kids have a different level of, um, stick to itiveness or effort when they're doing it for someone else than when they're doing it for us. (laughs) I was thinking that before you even said it. That's my right. too. It's a chance for them to seek out an expert or a mentor and learn how to learn mm-hmm. from somebody else's teaching style. You know, I teach the way I teach, but my kids will, whether they go on to post-secondary options or not, they will encounter situations where they're going to have to learn under others mm-hmm. and learn how to learn um, from other teaching styles. Mm -hmm. So I could sit and feel really guilty about hiring someone to teach my daughter algebra, or I can say, wow, pat myself on the back. That was a great decision. And, and I choose the latter. Yes. So don't be afraid to outsource some of the, the teaching. Definitely. And there are lots of ways to do that. Right. There's online, there's co-op, there's, there, there are classes that you can get involved in. Uh, you mentioned dual enrollment with your, mm-hmm. with your daughter. Um, so there's so many ways that you can outsource. And they, like you said, I'm totally with you. It's a pat on the back because you're helping them be able to adjust to all types of teaching methods. <laughs> right. It's giving them a leg up without just tossing them into the deep end, you know, Um, I could send my child to the public school down the street and she'd get all of the things that we just talked about, but they'd be, she'd be inundated with them. So she's still being able to have that homeschool experience, but she's kind of getting the best of both worlds at that point. Um, If you are a mom who has a certain aptitude for something, but maybe not the budget to hire a tutor in this other area, be willing to maybe make a trade-off with a friend. I I know I did that for algebra. I had a a really great friend who was an accountant, but you know, during the day and a homeschool mom at night, and she offered to teach my daughter algebra. And in turn, I helped her daughter with language arts because that was my forte. So there's lots of different inroads to that, and it doesn't have to break the bank. Um, Beyond that, you know, just always remember that you are raising adults. And so I think the the high school years are a great time to begin to start incorporating current events, Mm -hmm. learning about current events. And if you haven't done it prior, I mean, I'm kind of an advocate for starting earlier, but if you haven't, and I realize, you know, the culture at large is very sometimes very dark. Mm -hmm. And so we're hesitant to toss our kids into the fray and introduce them to some things that are going on. But 
in just a few short years, your kids are going to be introduced to them, whether you like it or not. So I, as a proactive mom, would much rather be able to talk about those things and have discussions about current events with my kids while they're still in the safety net of my home. And so they can learn how to discern some of those things Mm -hmm. and, and view them through a good worldview. So I think current events is, plays a big role in that helping them to start to adult, you know, bring them along when you, if you have to pay bills, let them sit next to you and help you learn, you know, teach them how to pay bills. This is the time to get them a bank account so they can begin using Mm -hmm. a bank account or paying online or whatever it is your family prefers. This is the time to bring them in when you're going to vote, because probably by the next election, they will be voting this is the time to start some of those softer life skills that you don't always think about. You know, we can easily add up the list of they need to learn to do the laundry and cook a meal and all those things. Of course they do, but don't forget some of those softer skills about adulting because that's a kindness you can pay to them. Oh, I absolutely agree. Um, I had the privilege of our 19 year olds getting to vote in this last election. And so it was really exciting for me. You know, we, me and daddy and, and actually my 19 year olds are a set of twins. Oh, wow. Went and, you know, of course they were a little nervous. They were afraid that they were going to do something wrong or mess right. the machine up, <laughs> but it was right. such an adventure and just wonderful to see them begin to take that responsibility and to stand right. up for what they thought was right and what they believed in. And yes, mm-hmm. definitely agree with you. Right. And how many of us um, started our adult lives feeling incapable mm-hmm. in some area or another? And that's going to happen. I mean, we're only human, so we're going to forget some important something to teach our kids. And that's what counseling is for. But I think it, we can do our just do and, and try in these four years and to train them and make them feel capable when they're out there. And I think that's one of the beauties of homeschooling and the beauties of homeschooling high school, because I can incorporate all of those things into the regular day. And it doesn't have to just be an add on or attack on at the end of a really long public school day. It's just part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next thing I would add to that list is to begin to keep accurate records. And we kind of touched on that at the very beginning. I, I like you have not, you know, tested, graded my elementary school kids, even my early junior high kids. I, I can, um, I have a a couple of really strong opinions about grading and tests on that level. And, um, coming from a public school background and a teacher's background, um, I feel like I can put forth a pretty arguable case why they're not necessary at that age. But Once you begin to um, cross that line, once you cross that line from those early years to the high school, I think now's the time to begin to keep accurate records so that you can put together a transcript. Um, And I will say this, you know, I spent hundreds of dollars in teachers college taking tests and measurements to be able to put together a transcript, to be able to calculate weighted grades. I don't think that's necessary. I think that it's certainly within the reach of, you know, any homeschool mom. 
So don't be afraid about that. There's plenty of resources online. I have a resource on my website that will help you walk you through, and I'm sure you do too, of how to put together an accurate transcript, but definitely um, keep accurate records, whether or not your child has college aspirations. And with that, make sure that those records are accurate. I think um, it's really easy for homeschool moms to pad a transcript because we love our kids and we think they're amazing and they're awesome. And of course, I want to dole out A's like they're candy. But that's not very kind to our kids because on the flip side of that or on the other side of that, when they go out into the world, assuming they are an A plus student across the board, it's going to be very deflating for them when somebody else slaps a different letter next to their name. I don't think we're doing our kids a service when we just pad their transcript. I think it's, I think um, feedback should begin to, to be formal in high school, but it doesn't always have to be a letter or a number grade. I think feedback is the important thing. I, for one, um, remember really appreciating feedback in high school because it gave me something to shoot for. You know, when my, when my teacher told me, you know, you did really well in these areas, but here's some areas you can work on. Mm -hmm. There was a goal for me. And, and so I could rise to the occasion and meet that goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's also in giving formal feedback to your kids, you're setting them up to learn that emotional skill (laughs) of getting feedback. Yes. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. (laughs) Right. But they're going to receive feedback from the world their whole life. Now, should they let that define them? Should the world's feedback set their identity? No, but the feedback will come. And so now is your chance to learn another, to teach another soft skill. And that's how to take feedback and not let it define you. Focus on what areas you can fix and improve on and what areas you're okay with how things are. Um, it can be, I think, very frustrating and a rude awakening for a lot of kids um, when the very first time they are given feedback is from a total stranger who doesn't love them quite like their family does and maybe doesn't soften that blow, mm-hmm. um, says it very harshly, very critical, it's not encouraging. So again, I know I keep saying this and I probably sound like a broken record, but now's your chance Mm -hmm. under the safety of the greenhouse of your home to prepare them. And this emotional skill of receiving feedback is one of the things we can't forget to give them. Absolutely. We actually had a situation this, this week that reinforces this completely. My 19 year old is um, in nursing school. And she started her clinicals and she was doing one of those hands-on tests and had a um, pretty harsh (laughs) examiner. And Hmm. he just really gave her some tough feedback. And, you know, we've been doing what you've been saying all along, trying to prepare her, giving her feedback. And she said it was difficult. She did cry. (laughs) But... She knew she, when she got home, she said, mom, it was hard. I cried. I embarrassed myself, but I know 
that she's helping me be the best that I can be. And one day when I'm in the thick of some health situation, Mm-hmm. that that she did to me will help make me stronger. So it's it's important. It really is. And probably that analysis or that self-assessment didn't come naturally to her, but it sounds as if you had been working on that in those early years. And so now when she's given that negative feedback, she can she has the wherewithal to tell herself those things that this feels awful in the moment. Right. But it's it's actually for my betterment. It's it's only going to help me be a better nurse. Yeah. Um, I just want to piggyback on that for just a second and say, allow your kids to fail and suffer the consequences of them, of, of those failures. Obviously we don't want them to fail, but should they fail, don't try to soften the blow for them. Allow them to sit in the discomfort of that because in the end, um, whatever collateral damage, they'll have to experience right now because of a right now choice is going to be less painful than the penance they might have to pay later on pay someday if they don't learn the consequences of a smaller thing now. And, and I bring that up because we had a situation um, last summer where my high school aged kiddo made kind of a dumb choice. Because sometimes teenagers do that (laughs) and that's not in this child's character. It's not in this child's typical nature, but in stupidity, in high school, um, immaturity, they made kind of a dumb choice and that choice had public consequences. Mm -hmm. And so I could have swooped in and rescued and softened that blow but I knew that that's not what was needed in the moment. This child needed to suffer the, the weight of that choice and learn the lesson in order to choose better choices later on, because the weight of that choice wasn't dire now, but if he continued in it, it would be someday. With that though, stand with your child when they have to suffer the consequence, you know, let them feel the full weight of it, but stand with them with support, remind them that you love them and, um, point them in a good direction, but, but don't be afraid to let them fail sometimes and feel the weight of your failure. And I know that sounds like the mean mom, but again, it's just another kindness that we can give to our kids where they can learn that now. So they don't have to learn it later on. Well, absolutely. And I I can speak from my own experience. It's those times when I fell on my face and really messed up that I learned from them. Yeah. You won't make that same mistake twice. (laughs) When it, when it's painful, when it hurts, you're right. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Um, just, I just have a couple more things. Um, one thing that I, we are second generation homeschoolers. I should have said that from the outset. My husband was homeschooled back in the eighties and nineties when it was super weird and practically illegal. Um, and one thing that my mother-in-law did in these high school years that I knew from day one, I wanted to implement in my own homeschool was she insisted that both of her sons learn some sort of blue collar skill and apprentice under someone with that blue collar skill while they were in high school, regardless of what they wanted to do in those 
you know, someday years because she knew that, yes, you know, whatever God has designed and equipped you to do, you still need to know how to get some things done. You can't probably know how to get everything done, but if you have one skill that is really needed in the world and you can learn to do that well, well, you can fall back on that skill should say the economy tank or should say you need that skill in your own house someday. And I loved that decision and I reaped the benefits of that decision because my husband, he's an artist by trade and he worked for an advertising firm, graphic design advertising firm. And then in 2008, the economy went belly up and so did the advertising community. And because in the high school years, he had apprenticed under a floor covering installer, he had that skill. And at that time, the housing um, business was still going strong. And so I was able to stay at home for the first time with my children while he installed floor covering because he had that skill in his toolbox because she had the forethought years before decades before to make sure that he apprenticed under someone before he went on to college. And I, I think that was brilliant and I'm sort of replicating that, but I have to give her all the credit. Yeah, that is amazing. And, you know, I feel like that's kind of a, a almost a lost art, so to speak, yes. in our culture yeah. where people think college is the end all, but, right. you know, trades, craftsmen, I mean, we always need them. <laughs> right. And the statistics are actually out right now that most tradesmen are making more money than a lot of white collar you know, jobs that you can get because they're just few and far between. And that's just the, the math behind a free economy or um, supply and demand. So if you have fewer people doing it and, and lots of need, yeah. and, and again, I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but I also am a firm believer that not every child needs to go to college. Mm-hmm. And that's not the path that God has for them. So regardless, I think it's really important to, you know, learn a real practical skill. And that can come in lots of forms. You know, it doesn't have to be construction. It ha- doesn't have to be car maintenance. There are a lot of practical skills. You know, if you can teach your child, boy or girl, how to sew. Well, I know of um, one community, um, one homeschool teenage girl is making money hand over fist because she knows how to mend professional um, uniforms, which is a different type of mending than regular mending. Um, she was taught that by someone apprentice under them. And now she is making all kinds of money because that's a skill that's really needed. Most people don't know how to mend anymore. And so I just think that's another way that we can be kind to our kids while they're still in our home to teach them a you know, a real practical skill. Super advice. And then lastly, just a word of encouragement to the homeschool mom that is, you know, maybe decided to, to homeschool in high school, still (laughs) stepping in with trepidation. Yeah. Please know this, whatever mistakes, and I use heavy air quotes there that you think you might make in keeping grades or ordering a four-year plan or teaching them all the practical life skills or the soft skills, know that high school is not a pass or a fail at life. You know, there's still years and years and years that they have to learn all the things. 
you know, should you feel like, oh, I didn't keep accurate enough records right now because I didn't think they'd go to college, but they're going to go to college. You know, they eventually change their mind. There's still plenty of time to pull all that together. So nothing you do in these next four years is going to train wreck the whole thing. <laughs> that is great advice because I feel like that right there is one of the pivotal reasons why a lot of moms just don't right. high school. They're just right. afraid. They're afraid they're going to mess them up or do some irreparable damage. Right. Or not prepare them for the choice that they want, like college. But let me tell you this, colleges need students. <laughs> so <laughs> they're going to accept your kids. They'll find a way. Your child will find a college to go to. Maybe not that Ivy League college that everybody says your kids should get into, but don't be afraid or don't think that you're, you're going to mess something up and a college won't accept your child. Colleges need kids because they need dollars. So they will accept your child. And actually, I've, I've been speaking to so many different homeschool moms and homeschool experts that say that colleges are really looking for homeschool students mm -hmm. because of that self-motivation and the self-starter right. aspect that homeschooler, homeschool students tend to have. Right. Definitely. Um, and, you know, another thing I've been thinking about a lot, too, you know, we've had this whole pandemic and I've heard the cries of of classroom teachers, you know, worried that all the students are going to be so behind when they get back mm. to school. And there's, you know, there's all this, you know, I'm thinking kids are so resilient. Teenagers yes. are so resilient that they're, you know, if we do miss, and I think you're, I think you're saying this, if we miss something, it's okay. Right. They're going to, they're going to figure it out. It's going to be fine. It'll, it'll all come out in the wash. <laughs> I, I, not to toot my own horn, that's not my intent here, but I can use myself as a perfect example of that. I was publicly educated, never learned one stitch of grammar. My entire elementary junior high years went to a small Christian school. My final years was, you know, plunged deep into grammar. And now I have a best-selling book because I write for a living. I didn't need 12 years to learn, you know, subject verb agreement. I got it when I needed it and was able to use it. So let that be a reminder that um, even if your kids, even if you feel like your kids miss some important something, they'll get it when they need it because, you know, necessity really is the mother of invention. When your kid needs it, they'll look for it and find that information. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate all the things that you brought up. They're very timely and very practical and helpful. And I hope, well, thank you for having me. I hope they've encouraged uh, one of one homeschool mom out there. If they helped one person, it's worth it all, right? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to thank our listeners today for joining in. I, I hope that you found something that you needed today. And I want to encourage you to join us every Wednesday afternoon throughout the month of April um, as we do this series, as we work through this series. And uh, we know that there are so many things, so many moving parts when it comes to homeschooling high school, but you can do it. I mean, if I can do it and Jamie can do it, anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So we're, we're so thankful you joined us today and here's to homeschooling with you until next time.